Hello, I'm Mike Baselli, and this is episode four of Passionate Pioneers. In this episode, we spent time with a successful serial entrepreneur and discussed the companies he has built, as well as authentically shared the challenges and failures along the way, and how he overcame his struggles to be able to help others tell stories at scale. Kyle Shannon is the inventor and CEO of Storyvine. Founded in 2012, Storyvine is a guided video platform that automates video production and allows clients to automagically create authentic, professional video content. He's innovated in storytelling and digital media for more than two decades. In 1995, Kyle co-founded and was the chief creative officer of the pioneering digital agency, Agency.com. He helped grow the company to more than 2,200 employees, $200 million in revenue, and a successful IPO on the NASDAQ. During our time together, we explored how his two-plus decades of experience have propelled him to where he is today, and how his company discovered a niche in the marketplace to be perfectly positioned to tell the stories of the patient within our massive healthcare industry. We also got authentic and transparent about the topic of mental health in the entrepreneurial world and how both of us dealt with our personal struggles. Lastly, I asked Kyle to share several action items for how you can tell your organization or personal brand stories at scale. Before we jump into the episode, I want to thank Kyle for his leadership and genuine spirit in the startup and entrepreneurial community. Kyle is someone I highly admire, and over the past several years, he has made me a better leader, both professionally and personally. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Kyle Shannon, welcome to the podcast's new home here at Halo Creative Labs, located inside of Angel MD's headquarters here at Catalyst, our healthcare innovation campus in downtown Denver. This is so exciting. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm excited to have you today on the podcast. So I'm a huge believer that one of the most precious gifts that we can give to each other is the gift of stories, how stories connect us, how they empower and inspire us, and how stories help form community. I love the power of stories. And you, my friend, are one of the most prolific storytellers I've ever met. And oh, by the way, you've also mastered and built technology to help others tell stories at scale. I'm looking forward to diving into your story, your background, as well as peel a few layers back for our community to understand who you are, what you're about, your successes, as well as to discuss some of the most existentially challenging moments that you've had in your professional career. But before we do all that, 
Um, if you've been listening to the podcast, I like our community to get I to have. know you a bit. <laughs> and one way we do that is through some icebreaker questions. So I'm going to have you choose one out of the out of the hat here, and let's see what you've come up with. Oh boy, here we go. All right, all right. I've chosen favorite place. All right, tell the community the favorite place you've ever been on Earth and why. Mm, okay. Um, I love New York, so so New York's in the running. But I I would have to say the place that was most impactful to me that that just truly remarkable um, was Alaska, and I actually have been to Alaska three different times. It was it was shortly after I sold a previous company. Um, in, in a three-year stint, uh, three consecutive years, I went uh, fly fishing in Alaska with my father. We went to three different parts of Alaska. So the first year we went to eastern Alaska, a town called Yakutat. <laughs> uh, and then we went to the Kenai Peninsula the next year. And um, the, the final year we went to western Alaska. And there's just something about Alaska that, you know, we live in the base of the Rocky Mountains here. And they're remarkable and beautiful. But Alaska is like the Rocky Mountains as far as you can see. Like the scale of Alaska in, in on sort of every level, the wildlife and the scenery and just the scale of it is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the fishing was great, as you can imagine. And it was also – it was really the last time I got to spend – really kind of quality time with my father. He's now got Alzheimer's. He's fairly advanced with it. So, you know, speaking of stories, back to stories, all his stories are gone. You know, I feel fortunate, you know, at at one point in New York City, I was out at John's Pizza with him and I asked him about his time as a pilot in Vietnam and he told me that story and it was this really remarkable story. I ended up writing it as a scene in a play um, and it, it really breaks my heart to know that, like, all the other stories are gone. They're not there, uh-huh. and so and so for me the you know the favorite place thing is Alaska, but but part of that is is very much colored by the time I spent with him. Wow, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Kyle. Yeah, sure. I definitely need to get up to Alaska. You do. I, our good friends just came back uh, uh, earlier this summer and said it's pr- pretty much the same thing you did. <laughs> yeah, Mountains just, for days. Yeah, it's just you just have never seen anything like it. Unbelievable. So we're going to go ahead and rewind the clock. Okay. How you got to where you are today with Storyvine is quite the journey. Can you share with our audience, I, I, I introed you a bit on the front end of the podcast, but can you share with our audience a little bit of your backstory and how you got to where you are today yeah. building this incredible startup called Storyvine? Let, take us back a bit. Sure. I, I've been a... St- storyteller I think most of my life I you know in high school I did you know a lot of acting and theater and I liked that and I tried to do sports I was okay at sports but they weren't kind of my people and and but I knew that when I when I went to school I had to um you know I, I couldn't be an actor because you know you can't make any money so so I decided to go into computer science and I, I go into my first computer science class and I walk into a room full of IBM mainframe computers and, and this geeky guy goes you know you're going to be running reports for big corporations for the rest of your life I'm like no I'm not <laughs> and so I changed my major to theater um, so so I ended up going to Penn State I got a degree in acting uh, and moved to New York City right out of school started and ran a theater company for four and a half years so that was you know very entrepreneurial 
if if you choose a life in the arts, you are an entrepreneur entrepreneur by definition, right? Nobody needs another play. Nobody really wants another play. So you have to be driven to want to do that. Uh, and then uh, after that, I decided I was going to write myself an acting career. So I wrote seven screenplays in two years. I was very motivated. We started a fake management company so we could get our screenplays read. <laughs> And then in the mid-90s, um, Wired Magazine showed up on the scene, and I started seeing you know buses drive by with ads on them for, for this sort of technology stuff. And this, this, people started talking about this thing called the World Wide Web. And I, I had an idea for doing an online magazine because most of what was on the Internet back then, this was like 94, um, was just like you know research papers and dis- dissertations on university websites. And I thought, well, maybe I could put a art and culture magazine online. So went on vacation with my wife and, and put together this really rudimentary um, online magazine called Urban Desires and got back to, to our apartment in Brooklyn. And I, I realized I had to upload these files to some computer in California. Like I didn't know what that was, but I sort of, you know, uploaded these files to this computer in California. And then I, I had an online magazine and a month later, I got an email from someone and said, hey, Kyle, have you seen? There's a full-page article about Urban Desires in Liberation, the Parisian newspaper. Wow. And I was like, what? And so I was living in New York, so the next Sunday I went down to the international newsstand at Times Square, and sure enough, there was this um, you know, full-page article with screenshots of this thing that, that I had uploaded to this server in California a month before, and I realized in that moment that the world had changed. Wow. And through that, I ended up meeting a guy that I co-founded Agency.com with. Agency.com was one of the first digital web agencies, and we grew incredibly quickly. We built some of the very first websites for the fortune 500 it was remarkable it was we grew from two people to 2200 people in five years and and then when the bubble when the dot-com bubble burst we went from 2200 people to 450 people in six quarters so so i can tell you you know sort of uh exciting uh up the runway (laughs) stories and some equally exciting but kind of depressing ones coming back down the other side wow um and 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 we ended up uh you know taking agency.com public on the NASDAQ and ultimately sold it to Omnicom, an advertising holding company. And then uh, after that, I went off and did a couple of, you could call them startups, but they were technically check writing exercises. Uh, They were just not very good ideas. And then I came on this idea of what's ultimately become Storyvine. Um, YouTube came out in 2005. And what struck me was that short form video was going to be important, but I didn't know how. And one of the things that I recognized that what was missing from a lot of the video on YouTube in the early days was story structure. So the same kind of uh, structure that I would put into writing a screenplay, you know, it just wasn't there. So there's a lot of bad video on YouTube. It was just people were mistaking hitting the record button for storytelling. And so I thought, well, if you could essentially create narrative training wheels and give people basic story structure like you know like a sitcom's got a very structured format like if you could do that for short form video and you could highly templatize it then maybe you could scale video production and so i started a company called episodic studios uh in 2006 and the vision was you know everyone's got a story to tell and creating a two-minute video shouldn't be an abject nightmare but it is it still is still is 
And and so I was pitching CNN about doing political coverage. You know, I was in there going, you know, imagine every level of politics having a weekly show on on that candidate. Or and I was pitching NASCAR about doing fan generated shows. My first job, I got hired by New Line Cinema to do some entertainment content this way. And I, so I was all excited. I'm you know I'm in this new business. I'm I'm halfway through filming on my first day, and I had uh, a moment. You know the the uh, the sitcom Arrested Development. Yep. I had this moment. Oh my God! I've made a terrible mistake. And what I realized was, as long as you have to manually film people and and sort of get gear to a place, and then as, as long as you have to manually deal with all those raw assets, and you have to manually edit the video, there there's actually no way to scale it. So that the, the vision of being able to scale video storytelling kind of died, wow. like in the moment. And so I finished that job and I shut the company down. Wow. It, it was really depressing. You know, it was like I, it was a very clear vision. So I ended up getting hired by the guy from New Line. He started his own agency. I did some marketing for a bunch of years with him. Um, and then I had a follow-on epiphany. I thought, what if you could automate everything? What if you could automate the capture of the content? At the time, I was thinking webcams. Um, iPhones didn't exist yet. Uh, and what if you could automate the asset management? If you could get those assets into a database, and if you could get them into a database in a structured way, then maybe you could automate the editing. And that's ultimately what Storyvine is. We've created a platform that's got an app that guides an end user step-by-step -step through telling their story, so it breaks the story down. And let's say it's a patient story. You know, step one might be, when were you diagnosed and how did you feel? And then it prompts you with the next question, um, how have you treated it? You know, how, how have you treated your condition and how are you feeling? And then the third one might be, what are your hopes and dreams for the future? So we actually walk a patient via the app step by step through telling their story. Then those raw clips go up to the cloud and five minutes later, you've got a fully edited video. So we actually have now, 14 years later, um, a patented platform that that really does realize the vision that I had back then that, that anyone anywhere can tell their story um, professionally um, without it being a nightmare. Wow. So <laughs> what? that might have been too much. What but. a story in and of itself. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few of them in there. Well, one reason uh, that I also wanted your story to be shared with our community is I've been following your journey for many years. We've been when close to each other here in our community and one thing that I'm incredibly excited and, and proud of, of you and your organization is how you're leveraging the technology to tell, and you kind of already discussed it a little bit, about telling the story of the patient. Mm -hmm. and I want to dive into that in just a moment, but let me set the stage. I think one thing that we're, we're seeing across this healthcare industry in our country and beyond is the lack of that voice, right? We have this big, monstrous, behemoth industry, a $3 trillion industry, about 20% of our GDP. It's a massive machine, and many of the leaders and many of the people that call this industry home for their professional careers sometimes lose focus or lose sight of why we are here in the first place mm -hmm. to serve the patient. Yep. And so I've been incredibly proud and, and uh, um, excited to watch what you guys at Storyvine are doing for that. How did Storyvine fall into patient storytelling? Mm -hmm. Who are you working with to do that? What does that look like? You did describe it a little bit, but what does that look like in practicality and in real life? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, the technology that Storyvine provides, as you can imagine, you could kind of aim it anywhere. And in the early of days of Storyvine, we did. You know, we were doing everything from. 
um, air conditioner repair services, you know, you know, or like they could make their commercial for their business. And, and, you know, we were working with IBM doing executive thought leadership. And one of the projects that we did early on, uh, was, uh, with a big ad agency with, uh, the pharma company Biogen IDEC. And, you know, one of the things that we learned in, in that very first project was that pharma companies were actually incredibly hungry to capture authentic patient stories, and they literally had no way to do it. They they could get real patients, um, but but because they've got to get everything through legal approval and this and that, they highly script these stories. So even if it's a, even if it's a real story, um, they're incredibly high production value, incredibly scripted. So what ends up happening is they end up creating videos that cost a lot of money for one thing, but also kind of bleed the authenticity out of the story. Um, they're a little overproduced. And so one of the big revelations to me was they spent all this money on these videos and they didn't even like them themselves wow. because they recognized, you know, we live, we, we do live in a world where we know what real looks like. You know, when you go into Facebook and you see someone, you know, doing a Facebook live or you see, you know, a, a family, you know, crying about something that happened, like, you know, what real looks like. And so I think there is is a suspicion of, of things that might be, you know, too overproduced. And so what Storyvine represented for pharma clients was we could allow them to create true user-generated um, patient stories, but in a very structured way that they could get through legal approval. So it became uh, a safe way for the, them to get the kind of authenticity that they wanted. So a couple questions in there. What year was that? What year did this start happening for Storyvine? That first pharma project was 2014. So, so a sure, while ago. A while ago. We've been doing this for a while. Yeah, that was, we got, uh, closed our seed round in uh, early 2014, built the technology, and that was the first pharma client. And then at the end of 2014, we decided, um, I don't know if you've read Crossing the Chasm, but we, oh, yeah. we realized we needed to cross the chasm and really focus on a single industry, and we picked healthcare and pharma because A, it was compelling stories, and B, we could provide a solution that no one else could. And what in regards to 2014 entering the pharma space, how were those conversations? And the reason why I ask, you know as well as I do, a very risk-averse yep. uh, environment, right, an industry. How, how did those conversations initially go? There was a hunger for authenticity. One of the desires was for the pharma company to be able to actually capture the stories. But there was also, in some cases, a pressure for caregivers or patients to tell their story. So one of the things we learned early on is that, um, you know, if I walk up to you at a party and I say, hey, Mike, do you want to be on video? The, the answer is no almost every time, right? Nobody wants to be on video. Um, and, and we're thinking about patients here. They might not feel good. They, you know, they might be you know, just emotionally challenged and things like that. Why would they tell their story? Well, because if them sharing their story might help someone else, they're willing to do that and sometimes actually really hungry to do that. We had uh, one of our uh, clients uh, was a company that made uh, an opioid drug. You had uh, Dr. Benjamin Miller on in, yeah. on the original podcast, and he does a lot of work around the opioid crisis. Um, this client makes one of the drugs that prevents uh, opioid overdoses. They reached out to us because their, their caregivers and patients were begging them for tools to let them tell their stories. Wow. So, so 
you know, part of the thing is what's the mechanism to do that? And Storyvine provides that. But the other thing is why would you tell your story? Or why would a pharma want you to tell your story and what are they going to do with it? So most of the work that we do is actually sort of teasing out, pulling the threads of the why of, of the story as much as the how. And how has it been receptive in the pharma industry? How, how did it go, those conversations with those executives? I learned, I learned a lot in agency.com working with Fortune 500 companies. You know, one of them is you need to be able to speak their language. Yeah. So part of our evolution was, you know, what are the acronyms in pharma? You know, what's HIPAA and what's PHI and what's, you know, there's a bunch of acronyms that just, just understanding what people are talking about and where their sensitivities are is really important. But the other piece of it is, once you've worked with a big Fortune 500 company or once we've done this successfully with a pharma company, they, they, they can take a bit of a breath. You know? So part of it is that. Oh, and somebody it, else has done yeah, it. Yeah, somebody else has done it. <laughs> um, and, but, but there's another piece of this, which is you know, companies in general, but I think pharma companies as well, are making the transition to more and more of their communications going digital. And Storyvine video tends to be a video that is, you know, can really successfully be used in digital. So the degree of comfort that a company has with digital first and, and you know, have strategies and, and you know, they, they know what a social strategy is and they know that they're going to put a YouTube to cha- channel together or what they're going to do on Facebook. Um, then they start to look for something like Storyvine and they go, ah, we really need that now because now we know what to do with it. So where is Storyvine today? So we're seven years in. We, we're technically not a startup, but as a founder, it's always a startup. The, like, child, the child is still bratty. The, the child <laughs> is very much a toddler walking into table corners and things like that. Um, but, but yeah, we're, we're fairly trusted in the healthcare and pharma space. We've worked with some, some of the biggest brands out there. Pfizer, Merck, and Novartis are all clients. We've worked with a lot of the big hospital groups, Catholic Health Initiatives, Health One Hospitals here yeah. locally. Um, and... We're we're moving into a we're kind of opening up a second vertical right now, which is actually it's a it's a natural outgrowth uh, from our work in pharma. So what ended up happening was a lot of our pharma clients would say, "Hey, you guys should really go talk to the American Heart Association or the American Diabetes Association because we work with them and they could really use this technology." So so uh, beginning in 2018, we started sort of kicking the tires of uh, advocacy and political as a as a new category for mm-hmm. us, and so we've created a new lower priced product. Product just for that market. And as you can imagine, they look at the tool in a very different way. You know, Pharma looked at Storyvine and they said, we can get authentic stories, but ultimately they liked it because it was safe and they could get things through legal approval. The nonprofits and advocacy groups look at Storyvine and they're like, wait a minute, we could capture stories from constituents all over the state um can we have that now like 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 it's it's a very different like where the value lies in the solution is perceived very differently um and that's very exciting for me because the the advocacy groups are looking at the idea of storytelling at scale and they kind of know what that means and they get excited about it well shameless plug here at catalyst our healthcare innovation campus in downtown denver we have recently adopted the platform um, to start telling the stories of our community members here on campus and it has been welcomed with open arms around the country people are just ranting and raving of the stories that they're learning about the incredible leaders that call this campus home oh, so that's awesome yeah so it's it's been a great addition and, and is populating our youtube channel yep maybe even as we record this podcast it, in fact i we're, we're in the offices of angel md and i interviewed tobin arthur this morning the ceo and his video is already produced automagically by storyvine and it's already up on the youtube channel so there you go well now let's talk about future state 
things are changing fast. We're seeing how uh, we communicate uh, is changing quickly. Where do you see StoryVine in the future? Ultimately, I see StoryVine as being kind of a DIY platform. Uh, Think of WordPress or if you know Canva, where you can sort of log in and, you know, upload your logo and, you know, make make little templated things, something like that, where there's uh, an ecosystem of people creating templates and you can log into the Story Store, select your template and go make some videos. So, So ultimately it goes there. Very cool. So recently, changing gears a bit, recently there was a phenomenal write-up about you. Um, And part of that write-up really hit home uh, with me. Okay. As you know, uh, being an entrepreneur is not easy. Matter of fact, it's... Wait, what? Yeah, right. (laughs) A very lonely place. uh, Can be, uh, yep. uh, Very stressful. Um, The ups and downs, uh, it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. That's, That's for sure. In this article, uh, you opened up about your experience about being an entrepreneur and, and a couple years ago experiencing one of the most existentially challenging times of your professional life. Yes. I think it's important for the community to hear your story and how you got through it. What happened? What During your journey, that crisis, what happened and, and how did you break through it? Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, being an entrepreneur, it, it was funny in that in that interview. One of the questions was, "What was your greatest challenge?" And I'm like, on, "You know, on what day? Like, yeah. on what hour of what day? Like, every day is you know some pile of challenges." And at the same time, you know, there's nothing else I'd rather do, right? So it's 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 that kind of thing. Um, but I think the particular story that you're talking about, what happened was, I, I mentioned before we we closed our seed funding in early 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, we hired a staff. I think we were eight or nine people at that point. We built out our technology, got our patents, did all that stuff. Uh, and as the inventor of the technology, I got to throw lots of pasta at the wall. And we're like, you know, this is going to be brilliant. We're going to do small business videos. We're going to do big business videos. We're going to do everything. And, right, as, as the entrepreneur, like, that's the vision. So my, my arms are flailing wildly, and I'm all excited. And, you know, we're doing air conditioner videos, and we're doing pharma videos and IBM videos. And we ran out of cash. Mm. Um, probably nine or ten months after um, we had raised almost $900,000, we realized, oh, we can't make payroll. And my optimism for how quickly we could generate revenue was dramatically overblown. And so my co-founder, Monique, and I, she's incredible. She's the chief chief operating officer. She and I have a great dynamic. I'm the hand-wavy guy. She keeps the trains running on time. You definitely need both. We definitely need both. And, and 2014 was a year when our company was hand-wavy guy heavy, right? Meaning me as the idea guy, you know, got to play, and we ran out of money. And so she and I sat down, and we had a very hard discussion. And then the discussion, you know, basically came down to, we have to lay off everyone, mm-hmm. which we did. Um, and it comes up more quickly than you think. Yeah. And she and I cut our personal salaries in half um, to fairly substantially below for me, what was a living wage. And, and I think for her too. Um, and, and then that was, that was the event that precipitated us having to pick a single focus. So why we picked healthcare and pharma, one of the reasons was we learned that the $500 that the air conditioner guy gave us meant more to him and was harder to collect than the $80,000 that the pharma company gave us, right? Wow. 
Um, but we also knew it was going to be a slow roll. And so we basically, you know, the, for me, it wasn't an option to close the company down. We cut our salaries in half. And for all of 2015, most of 2016, um, we ran the company on cash flow. And the existential crisis part for me was like, like, as you can imagine, you go from raising all this money, right? You know, like we're, we're going to raise money. We're going to do this. You raise the money. Great. You go hire the staff. Like the, this train is going and, and then you run out. It's hard. And, and so, so we kick off this new year and, and we're going after pharma and it's slow and it's slow and it's slow. And I'm not making enough money. And what ended up happening was for about 18 months, every single morning, <laughs> I, I, I've got kind of PTSD from it as I'm talking about it. Every single morning, I would wake up with this same conversation in my head. And it was, I would wake up and like this petulant little child inside me would go, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to work. And then there was a piece of me that said, well, you've got to go to work because if you don't, StoryVine doesn't exist, right? It's just Monique and I at this point. So it's like literally if you don't show up to your startup, it doesn't exist. Like, like that's, that's existential, right? And then what would happen was I'd sort of get in this argument with this little kid inside me. I would go, but, but if you don't go, StoryVine doesn't exist. And then the petulant little kid would go, well, maybe it's just your ego. Maybe it's not a good idea at all. And and I think about that, and I go, well, no, but I think it is, and I wouldn't. And and sometimes I'd sit there and I'd go back and forth for I don't ten minutes, fifteen minutes, half an hour. I'd go back to sleep. I'd wake up thinking the same thing, and then ultimately I would get out of bed. And at the time I was living in Boulder, and I would drive from Boulder down to Monique's house, and we would run the business for another day. And it was it was really kind of eighteen months of this daily battle with myself that where I literally didn't want to come to work, and there wasn't another option. Wow. I think it's important for other leaders throughout uh, communities across this globe to hear these these stories, the realities of, of what it's like. Mm-hmm. Too often, the entrepreneur is romanticized. I think uh, yeah, almost always the entrepreneur is romanticized. Right. And, and we need to get real. We, we need to have these types of conversations and and it's not easy, right? We're always supposed to be out there. Uh, we've, we've won the day. We're crushing it. It's just not reality. And one thing we've been exploring, and here we are now again, the mental well-being of communities. Yeah. And one big piece, because you and I live in it every day, is the entrepreneurial community. And I think that we have to be able to share these stories with each other. But then also find avenues to get that help when needed. Sure, right. Um, I can tell you, if, uh, you know, uh, candidly, I definitely sought support and guidance while trying to get this healthcare innovation campus off the ground in Denver. You've been close to it for many years, Kyle. You've seen this journey that I've been through, yeah, and what we've been through together. And I've seen it almost stop a couple of times. Exactly right, right? and yeah. it's. Um, and so I just wanted to make sure that we, we were able to share that because when I read that article recently that was published about you, it really hit home. And we need to continue to take leadership positions in our communities, people like you, to say that it's okay to go through some of this, but make sure you're also finding the mechanisms and the avenues to work through it as well. It's an incredibly nuanced conversation because yeah. 
I absolutely celebrate the fact that the mental health conversation is happening around entrepreneurship and it's okay to doubt and this and that. There's also a reality as an entrepreneur, as an executive, as a leader, that you do have to compartmentalize some of this stuff. Um, You know, an investor doesn't want to hear, I don't think we're going to (laughs) succeed. An employee doesn't want to hear the CEO go, "Um, I don't know if we're going to make it. Um, so, So there are certain conversations where you absolutely have to compartmentalize it. Um, when I was going through that that really rough period, um, I had a business coach who was also a clinical psychologist, and he worked with my wife and I uh, working through things. He worked with me personally. He worked with Monique and I. Like As you can imagine, as you go through these sort of rough periods, like your relationships get strained and challenged and things like that. So I absolutely you know, went to a professional for that. I, I think that as an entrepreneur, I mean, entrepreneurship in a lot of ways is problem solving. So when stuff comes up like oh this is really hard like my immediate instinct is i can fix it because because like that's my default is like well how do you fix this um and some of this stuff is not fixable some of it is stuff you just have to go through so having a professional sometimes that i could just like like a lot of times when i would talk to howard howard teich was the name of my my uh coach brilliant brilliant dude out of san francisco um and a lot of times i would just feel like all i'm doing is whining Hmm. but you know what sometimes i needed to whine and and I often didn't have an outlet where I could do that in a way that, that would, you know, I don't know, be healthy and productive. So, so I think it, it's incredibly nuanced that I think, I think part of the, the sort of the, the, I don't know, the celebration of the entrepreneurship, even as we're sort of starting to talk about the, the mental health game is like, oh, you should talk about if you're depressed and you should talk about this. And it, well, yeah, and then there's sometimes you can't. And so, so what does that mean? And I, I think your point about, well, maybe you need to seek help for that. And just, I, I don't know, being open to that, I think, is critical. And I don't have a great answer for it other than, um, you know, be as honest with yourself as you can and understand there might be certain times where you're out of your depth, and that's when it's time to reach out to someone uh, to talk to. Thanks for opening up on that, Kyle. It's um, it's more important than ever, and and I knew I could count on you on this podcast <laughs> to to share a bit because we're hearing it time and again. We're you know we we covered it with Dr. Benjamin Miller. We covered it um, with Lisa um, Sabi as well, and in, in her podcast, that we as a community, we as society, need to be able to have healthy conversations around mm-hmm. this. And seek the professionals uh, when and if they are needed. So, well, I'll tell you what. If, if this is a, a bit of a shout out to you and, and what you've created here at Catalyst, but I do I do want to share something about my experience being in this space. So, there are big companies here doing a, a hell of a lot of innovation, giants. But there's something about the fact that you've got a community, a building full of people that are kind of up to the same thing. Um, when people ask you how you're doing here. They don't necessarily, they're, they're not necessarily just looking for, hey, I'm doing great, I'm slaying it. Sometimes, you, you know, someone will ask that and I'm like, oh, I'm having a really rough time. And, and people actually stop and go, what do you mean? What's going on? Oh, well, I just did this pitch and it didn't go well. Oh, let me tell you. And, and like, we'll often just sort of, you know, pull off into the kitchen, the cafe there somewhere and have like just a really deep human conversation. So my hope when I came here was that from a business perspective, this was going to be valuable for us. Like we would get clients out of being here. That's happened. Great. But the, the kind of unexpected thing and the real 
beautiful thing is that those kind of connections are a regular part of like my my just experience as a human um, is better for being here. So thank you for what you've created because it's awesome. Well, and for the the community that may not be familiar with what we're doing here in Denver, uh, Kyle is uh, describing our, our healthcare innovation campus, Catalyst, uh, located in downtown Denver. And actually, you can see Kyle's uh, profile on the website at catalysthealthtech.com. And, and thank you for that, Kyle, because that was one of the dreams I had of this campus in that we want to literally build a neighborhood in here, mm-hmm. right, where we ta- we're taking care of each other. As we just have been unpacking for a while here on this podcast, this is hard stuff, right? This is not easy. Building companies and creating innovations and, and being pioneers in your own, in, in your own way is not easy. And so being able to create a built environment, this campus, to do exactly what you just described, um, that to me signals uh, mission accomplished. Yeah, for, so, yeah from, from my experience, it's, it's been really incredible. Well, thank you for that. appreciate it. Let's change gears just a little bit more, and we're going to start closing it down here. Share with the community uh, two or three action items that they can implement with their own organizations or brands uh, to continue to help them also tell stories at scale. Great. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> we, we certainly do live in a world where everyone, you know, there are a lot of folks out there going, tell more stories and you right. should do content marketing. And you should do this. And you should do that. Um, yes, you should. And um, one of my pet peeves is the gratuitous use of technology. So, so you should, and, and storytelling in, in some sense is a technology. You shouldn't just tell stories for story's sake. Um, you're in a business. So, so step one for, for, you know, everything where, where I come from is what are you trying to accomplish as a business? And then you can start to look at, okay, what are the kinds of stories that if we could capture would you know further that so i think step one action item step one is just really be clear on what you're trying to accomplish and then figure out what are the kinds of stories that would support that mission then you start to get into some more tactical stuff and and one of those is how do you produce the content but i think there's some other pieces of it which is you should have a point of view about you know what are the kinds of stories you want to capture but also who's the audience for those stories sometimes mm-hmm. you know storytelling gets gets similarly celebrated like if we capture stories everything will be fine well maybe you capture a bunch of stories but there's not an audience that really cares about them like so understanding you know your constituents and what are the stories we want to capture why would they have value to the business but also why would they have value to, value to people out in the world so so understanding your audience and and then the, and then the third piece is is one of just like and this is this is very true for social media but it's true in general in business don't half do it don't say okay we're going to do you know a content strategy and then do three podcasts and stop. Or like I've started a couple of podcasts. I seem to get to nine, and for whatever reason, ten is a problem for me. Like, <laughs> you know. So 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 if you're not ready to really commit to it, don't do it. Be- because what you what you end up creating is you do create an audience that wants to hear more. You get excited about the next show. Um, so don't step into it unless you're really ready to commit to it. And if you are, then go for it and find all the tools and things like that. And if you want to do video storytelling at scale, you call StoryVine. And you know, if you want to do the other stuff, you do the other stuff. So there's the shameless self-plug for, uh, for what we're up to. Good tips for the community. Thank you for that. Uh, now we want to get the community involved uh, with you, Kyle, and StoryVine. So 
Can you share with our community one problem, need, or question that you personally or you as an organization uh, have that you can share with our community where they can maybe help out or connect the dots to somebody else that might be able to help with that or offer some suggestions or, or insight? So I guess, I guess my ask would be um, of the community – you know, are there are there projects? Are there organizations? You know, if you've got you know patient stories that need to be told, you know, is there some disenfranchised group out there that that needs to get their voice out there? Uh, and and is there an organization that that supports that that could could be a part of kind of facilitating that and putting a, a project together? Um, that's the kind of thing that really lights my fires. So I would say just if there are stories that need to be told at scale, I would love to talk to you. Love it. All right, we're going to take this home, Kyle. Please complete this sentence for our listening oh community. <laughs> it's a fill in the blank. Okay. I'm a passionate pioneer because? Hmm. I'm a passionate pioneer because I don't have a choice. Um, um, I, I guess I made a decision very early in my life that if I'm not following my passion, that I'd rather not spend the time doing it. And so that's led me on a really remarkable journey. And I wouldn't do it any other way. As challenging as it's been, I also feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So I'm a passionate pioneer because I have to be. Wow. Great answer, Kyle. Thanks for being a part of the podcast today. Getting real. Thanks. Sharing your story. And helping others understand what it takes to build incredible technology and startups like Storyvine and what some of us go through sometimes. So thanks for being here today. I look forward to the community getting involved and uh, stay tuned as that feedback I know will be pouring in. But on behalf of Passionate Pioneers, Kyle, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.